Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. We're not recording this on my birthday, but this episode is released on my birthday. And I usually, like, don't talk about my birthday, but I'm just gonna put it out there. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. If you're listening to this, you should send Kyla some birthday messages. (laughs) You don't have to, but, um... Do it. It's always appreciated. By decree of Marty, do it. (laughs) Do it. Do it. (laughs) Well, our campaign is still running to get, um, we decided that if Michael Sheen will not come on our podcast, he at least needs to come to Marty's birthday party. Or your birthday party. Well, it's a a bit late for that. We'll have a joint birthday party. We'll just say it's your birthday and my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of love that. Yeah, so... We decided today that we haven't really talked about any bad movies for a while. Yeah. And so um, we got a real bad one. Yeah. So the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of our favorite horror films. Oh yes, for both definitely. of us. My my like, favorite slasher is Leatherface. Like a hundred percent. I love that boy. We love him. We love that movie. It, it really is just, like, one of the greatest, not just horror films, but one of the greatest films of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I noticed that the remake from 2003 is on Netflix, and it is produced by Michael Bay. Yeah. So, yeah. No. We just said, yeah, <laughs> this is a recipe for disaster, and um, we want to watch it. So this is how we celebrate it. So we And it was really it. bad. It was really, really bad. And, like, to be fair, like, it sounds like we were going in with a lot of bias against it. And, like, we totally were. But, you know, I, we give every movie a fair chance. Mm-hmm. At least we I try will to, say, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, you try to. I will say that, like, within the first five minutes, I knew this was going to be bad. Oh, um, yeah, because, definitely. First of all... They open it with the song Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, the very beginning of this, the movie starts with the radio playing Sweet Home Alabama very loudly and very obnoxiously while this couple is kissing in the back of a van and, like, they're smoking weed and stuff. And it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like, it's it's even more ridiculous than, like, the original Mainly because the original at least felt kind of realistic, you know? Yeah. These are just, like, goofy teens or whatever with, you know, you know, some weed. But, like, this one was just bad. It was, like, a really bad voyeur, voyeuristic movie already yeah. from the get-go. I, I feel like this is what, whenever you say Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, I feel like this movie is what comes to mind. You know, like, just a bunch of people, like, hiding and running and getting cut to pieces and gore and blood and stuff. Because, like, mm-hmm. the original actually isn't that gory. Like, they give you definitely gory ideas. Um, Like, there's some really disturbing imagery, but, like, it's not just a bunch of people being tortured. Like, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, a lot of the horror of that film comes from the way that uh, a lot of the scenes are shot. Um, because there's a lot of close-ups on, like the human body 
And the one that I'm thinking of in particular is the scene at the very end where they're like zooming in on the girl Sally's eye while she's getting tortured at the um the house. Um yeah. but this one is just full on just gore and people making out. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. It's like everything you would expect when you hear the words Texas Chainsaw and Michael Bay, like, in the same sentence. Also, a lot of the horror from this one, so this is the 2003 one, there's been, like, several others. The history of Texas Chainsaw remake films is confusing, but this is the one from 2003, for those of y'all who want to know that. But a lot of the horror of this also comes from the fact that, like, you can tell that this family is very blatantly poor. Yeah. Like, with the Sawyers, like, it's not all that, you know, obvious. You know, there's a backstory, like, that their family kind of doesn't have a lot of business now that, like, the cattle uh, slaughter, like, business is changing like their methods of doing things but like with this one literally every scene is showing off a child with bad teeth in overalls or like a like a rv or something like a trailer that's full of garbage and it's just very very obviously about how scary poor people are yeah, there definitely, yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. And, like, yeah. So, let's back things up real fast and just give, like, a quick synopsis. Um, yeah, okay. Because it's a, it's a little bit different from the OG one, but, like, not super different. They both focus on a group of young adults who are going on a trip of some sort. In this case, they're going to a concert. A Leonard Skinner concert, because we have to throw in as many 70s references as possible to remind people that this is the 70s. (laughs) Which is why, like, this was one of the things that annoyed me the most about the movie, actually. I mean, that's the Mm -hmm. reason why they play Sweet Home Alabama at the beginning. It's like, oh, what's a song from the 70s? Sweet Home Alabama, yeah! Which still makes no sense. How can we make this movie? But the movie takes place in Texas! There are Texas country songs. There are really good country songs from Texas. Country music in the 70s in Texas was awesome. It was, and they... But no, they had to go with, like, you know, the most obvious, like, crowd-pleasingness. Yeah. So, um, and then, like, you know, as these people are driving along, they're, like, smoking weed and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's the 70s, we like our drugs, and, like, it just... We for madness, Uh Yeah, it was just, like, so ridiculous anyways we have a group of teens um i had to look up their names erin her boyfriend kemper who they just call kemp um morgan andy and pepper and i really don't remember much about their personalities because they didn't have any except that that erin and kemper are dating and as they're driving they like come across a hitchhiker who is traumatized from something, but they don't know what, and she proceeds to pull a loaded gun from her vagina and shoot herself. Yeah, that's a thing that happens. She just, like, pulls a gun out of her legs and, like, kills herself in the middle of their van. Like, 
is she she like is standing in the middle of the road and they're like you know kissing in the car or whatever so they're like not watching the road and they look up and there's just this girl in the middle of the road and they like swerve off the side of the road and almost hit her and then they like make her get in the car <laughs> so she's in the car and like they're telling her hey where do you where do you need to go and all this other stuff and she just pulls that gun out of her bagoo and like the 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 thing is like when she like kind of spreads her legs a little bit you can see like they're all bloody and stuff so i don't know what exactly that means but it does not sit well with yeah me. see this <laughs> um, is why i said like because again this happens within the first like five or ten minutes of the film so this is again why i said like i could already tell within the first few minutes this was going to be bad because i just like mm-hmm. that alone it was like really did she have to pull the gun out of there like and the weird I don't know. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was framed at like I don't know. It was just bizarre. It okay, this is dumb, but it reminds me of like season 1 of Doctor Who where um the one episode where they all go on the game shows and uh, Jack Harkness they make him strip naked and then he like pulls oh, a gun yeah. out of his ass. <laughs> that was funny though. I mean, it like fit with his character. Yeah, but this is just sad. This is like the sad version of that. <laughs> It's just, yeah, so... They start, so they're driving around, they have, and, like, they just have this dead girl's body in their car, and, you know, it's the 70s, so they can't really call for help until they get somewhere, so they, they're just driving around with this dead body in the back of their car, they come across the, the gas station slash bar- barbecue place, and they ask this lady that's working there um, if they can use her phone. But she doesn't let them use the phone. She calls them herself. Um, so she calls, like, the sheriff. And he says to, like, send them out to, like, the middle of nowhere. And, like, which, you know, they start freaking out. And they're like, no, we're not gonna go out in the middle of nowhere to meet the sheriff why can't he just come here and you know that's like the only smart thing that anyone in that movie has said (laughs) yeah so like we're already getting shady vibes from the sheriff and yeah like pretty much you get shady vibes from everyone Mm -hmm. as soon as like you get to the barbecue place like the the lady at the barbecue place like she does not care that these kids have a dead person in the back of their car she's just like Yep, there's six kids out here not counting the dead one. What do you reckon we do? <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing was just weird cuz like the whole time cuz like pretty quickly, you know, you discover that okay, just like in the original, there's this house that's got this creepy family and except in this one they're called the Hewitts, I think, and the other one they're the Sawyers. Yeah, they're which, the Hewitts. You know, whatever like mm-hmm. doesn't bother me that they change the names. It's probably better to differentiate it, but Anyways, um, so, like, you know, it's it very much, like, kind of follows along, like, okay, there's this weird family, and they're a bunch of murderer cannibals, and, but in this one, like, everyone in the town is kind of in on it. Like, the sheriff's in on it. But, like, everyone in the town is related, yeah. is the thing. Which, I feel like, I don't know, I, I really think that was a bad choice 
Because it just, like, yeah. makes it, I don't know, less interesting because these characters have, like, less of a hope of escaping. Mm-hmm. There's also just, like, the the thing with it being, like, a whole town full of, like, the same family is just not as interesting because there's just not a lot of different interactions that you're gonna get because of the setting. Yeah, it's all just like, oh, so-and-so is hiding something. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out they are, and then Leatherface shows up sometimes and chases people with a chainsaw. And, like, and the other one it works because they're so isolated. Like, it's this family who just lives out in this farmhouse and are kind of cut off from everything. And, like, you almost feel for them because, like, they've obviously been screwed over and are living in poverty and they're like oh well this is what we have to do to sustain ourselves and have kind of like retreated within themselves and become cannibals but you don't really feel like it's their fault but like i don't know in this film it just you, you don't get any of that in this film yeah. there's like no backstory for the hewitts at all besides that like well there's they, something they live there there's something about how Leatherface was, like, disfigured or something. They try to, like, basically pull a, a Jason backstory on him. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's just a sweet boy. He just got, you know, fa face disease. Got a skin disease. Got no nose. Didn't you see his face, little girl? Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird, because, like, I don't know. You don't really voice. ever get any of, like, his personality, and... He just kind of I mean, shows up. You barely see Leatherface at all in yeah. this movie. He just shows up and chases people. There's like no character for him at all. Yeah, and and I know it's not fair. Well, eh, I guess when you make a remake, you're asking people to compare, mm -hmm. whether you mean to or not. And like when we started recording this, I wanted to come in and just be like, "Oh, I'm not going to compare them," but like you kind of have to because. There's a reason that the original is such a classic and holds up so well, and, like, mm -hmm. it's because of this atmosphere, and it's just this, it's basically a fun house, um, and the sequel yeah. even more so, but even the first one, it's like a crazy kind of fun house film, and that's where the horror of it comes from, is, like, not so much that there's gore or torture, it's that, like, everything is so bizarre, and, like, you've entered this other world, sort of, of this isolated family. Like, God, that dinner scene from the original, right? Where they're, like, just sitting around the table and the, you think the grandpa is a corpse and then he wakes up and starts licking the blood from the girl's finger and it's like, what? Uh -huh. It's like, <laughs> it's it just... makes you laugh, but it also makes you really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, in the moment when you're watching it, it's just like, oh my God, what the hell is happening? And then you go back and you realize, like, wait, that was, like, a dude in, like, the most Muppety-looking old man makeup Sucking right? on a girl's finger. <laughs> right? It's like, you know, oh it's gosh. silly and disturbing. And, and it, it just has this beautiful balance of tone. Mm -hmm. And then just this one is just like, the only tone is like monotone. There's like no, like any kind of like creepy stuff that goes on is more stuff that happens with Arlie Ermy, and then, like, you don't even get them all around, like, you don't even get, like, the whole family together until the very end, and there's, like, barely any interaction at all. Yeah. It's, it's devoid of that feeling that, like, they are actually all related, but you can tell that they're all related just because they all have the same goal, 
and it's just like not it's not as good yeah it's it's disappointing and like so much of the scares just come off of gore of like oh we get another scene of Leatherface like sticking hooks in people and hanging them up and you know he's gonna cut them up and eat them yeah and, and he takes the face off of the one guy what was it Keener Kern Kern what uh Kemper 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 we thought his name was Care Bear at one moment because we misheard what the lady was saying um <laughs> yeah yeah so Kim Kemper gets his face torn off and now. A word from our sponsors. Welcome to the ad firm of Parker, Lennox, and Rose. Our job is to take your brand and bring it to the forefront of the cultural zeitgeist. None of us have studied advertising. In fact, we don't know anything about business at all. The one thing we do know is how to make your product a viral failure. Coke is just better than Dr. Pepper because... Coke did not... Dr. Pepper already did their own advertising by having an actual advertisement where the slogan was, it's not for women. <laughs> <laughs> this is Advertising. Brought to you by Lunar Light Studio every other Monday. Available on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to our regular scheduled program. <laughs> I will say, one of the things I did kind of find interesting about this movie was um, the little boy, Jedediah. Yeah, the little boy was, like, the only thing that I thought was really interesting was that, like, there's, like, actually children in this family. It's not just, like, adults. Yeah. Because <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Especially, like, in this movie when the family is more integrated with the townspeople and stuff. Like, okay, I could buy that, you know, mm -hmm. they've got... This kid running around and like and and I thought that made for a very interesting dynamic because in the other one though like Leatherface is very much the baby, so yeah you know Jedediah was almost like kind of a a surrogate Leatherface like yeah he had Leatherface's personality he's very sweet and like kind of innocent and doesn't really know what he's caught up in and kind of sympathetic yeah. that's kind of how Leatherface yeah, is in the on the old ones. Mm -hmm. And then you have, like, the Leatherface now, and he's got no personality. And yeah. it's like, they sucked everything out of the characters of the old movie, and then just stuck them in different people, and then tried to pass them off as their own characters. And it didn't. It just doesn't work. It doesn't. I'm mm -hmm. gonna keep saying that it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. But, but I do like that kid. He was a good actor. He was. He was sweet. I I really liked him too. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing is, like, I think that the people who made this movie don't see Leatherface as a character. They see him as like yeah, a they, plot they see device, him as, like more of a a tool. Yeah, to, a to, tool. Like, meet an end, and that's not why people like Leatherface. At yeah. least in in the circles that I uh, frequent, that's not why people like Leatherface. Well, exactly, yeah, because, like, there's reasons why people have their, you know, everyone, like, ha has their favorite slasher, and, like, mm -hmm. you know, who you're gonna root for, like, oh, Freddy versus Jason, or Michael versus Leatherface, and, like, you have who you're gonna root for and who you like, and it's not, like, it's, you know, it's because they have different backstories and personalities and, like, things that make them stand out, yeah. you know, and when you try to take that away then like it 
it just makes them interchangeable and like yeah it takes away the fun of it like the the point with michael myers at least just to like kind of compare and contrast is that he is vacant like mm-hmm. that's what makes him interesting is that like everything you learn about him is not from him and like he's literally just like a blank slate and that's what's terrifying about him um leatherface is is not at all blank like in the original movie even in like the second one i have not seen the third one uh where it's still the sawyer family but um in the first and the second one he's got like so much character he he he's just so strangely innocent like he he's just doing things because he's told to do them and because like there's a there's a part of him that's scared of his family and scared of like other people because that's what's been instilled in him and so that's why he does it and in the second one there's there's so much more innocence in the second one just because like of the scenes where he's like got a crush on stretch and stuff and like yeah the way he looks at her so like bewilderingly uh, <laughs> it's so weirdly cute it is and, i mean there's and, that scene where he like tries to dance with her and like yeah i mean it's like so wrong but he's trying so hard to like connect with another person and that that's why i like leatherface anyway because he's like so cut off but like in certain situations he like does kind of try Mm-hmm. And there's none of that in this movie at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, he's nothing. He's just something to break down a door and shove a, a chainsaw in your face. Yeah. It makes me so sad. It makes me really sad, too. And, like, it would be, you know, like, I could forgive them for that if any of the characters were interesting, but, like... The, Our the main only one that's interesting aren't. is Jedediah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the little boy. The little boy. But yeah, like the main characters aren't characters I want to root for at all. Yeah. Which is something that the other film had. It's like, that's why the ending of the OG film is so powerful and works so well. Because like you want to see these characters survive. Mm-hmm. Like even if at first you don't really like the characters, like as stuff starts to go on, you can see like that they like actually care for each other and there's a dynamic Mm -hmm. um the guy in the wheelchair and sally i can't remember his name for the life of me it's gonna kill me but and i get like a bunch of letters saying like uh this this is his name and you did it wrong Uh, well it's been a while since we saw that one so i can't Yeah, it's been a while, their but, like, they're, they're brother and sister, and, like, you can tell that they're brother and sister by the way they interact, and, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that looks like Disco Stu from The Simpsons, <laughs> he, he's got, he's got interactions with them that feel genuine, and, and, like, just all of the characters in that movie feel way more genuine than in this one, and the, the main characters just don't, they don't jive. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ar- Arlie Ermey did a good job, though, being crazy. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, so let's go back to what we were talking about a little bit at the beginning, thematically, to there's some troublesome stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like they, uh, well, I don't know. I feel like they tried to go for some sort of, like, 
maybe social commentary about police corruption, but it like I don't know. They never really stick through it. It felt more like a plot element than a, like a commentary on anything. Yeah. But then there's what you were talking about, which yeah. Like it just just felt like they were like, "Oh, look how scary poor people in the middle of nowhere are." And it's like, you know, that's not supposed to be scary. That's supposed to be sad, and that's part of the reason why in you know, in a lot of cases you can sympathize with the Sawyers is because you have this backstory and like some of the stuff that they do is actually treated as kind of sympathetic despite the fact that it's wrong but this one none of it's you know framed that way it just feels like these people are evil because they live in the middle of nowhere yeah that they kill people there's not even really a a backstory for why they do it yeah It's like... It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's like the whole thing... Because, like, in the original, you know, it's it's very much that these people had a successful business, and then um, they were failing, and the government didn't really help them. The government kind of turned their backs on them. Which, mm-hmm. a lot of this has to do with, like, the history of farming and ranching and that kind of... And I know they owned a slaughterhouse, but, like, it kind of goes in with that. Mm-hmm. My family is from West Texas and did a lot of that when my dad was growing up. They did farming and ranching and stuff. And it's a very hard life. And um, sometimes stuff just doesn't go right. And the government can sometimes come in and help bail people out because this is an important industry. It literally feeds people. So, like, you know, you can't just leave your farmers and meat workers stranded but but there's a social commentary about how like yeah the government didn't care they everyone kind of turned their backs on them because they're just this rural family in a small town in texas and so because they were living in poverty they had to turn to cannibalism to survive and then and then their isolation kind of makes them crazy mm-hmm. and this like twisted family dynamic of their i don't know it's just like a that they become so codependent on each other i guess yeah versus like yeah in this film it's the remake it's more just like oh people in texas are weird and backwards and them small towns am i right and it's like because like in the other one you feel like okay i mean they do have a choice but you can see more where they feel like they're forced into it but like in this one it feels like everyone in the town is just choosing to be this way just for kicks because oh people in texas are weird yeah And I mean, like, I live in Texas. My family is living in Texas. I was born in Texas. And so, like, you can joke about it all you want. Because, like, that, that's, like, you know, it's true. People in Texas are fucking weird. But, like, it, it to an extent, it's kind of wrong because of the context in which the, this family is presented. Because, like, you can tell they, they are dirt fucking poor. Yeah. And, like, it, it just doesn't you know it it does it's not interesting to present people as just that and not give them like any sort of like extra third dimension and characteristic that like the the fear is supposed to come from because literally all that's presented to you is this family is dirt poor you know Mm -hmm. and that's not that's not something that should be scary that's something that should be sympathized with yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, like you said, you know, I was 
born in West Texas, and I'll make jokes about Texas till the sun goes down, because, you know, Texas is kind of weird sometimes, because it's basically its own country, and, and so that's also, like, you can't really generalize Texas, because there's so much of it. But yeah, the, the way they just generalize these people and generalize poverty, it, it's... I don't know. They they could have done something with it, and they just didn't. They were more focused on gore and jump scares and teenagers mm-hmm. making out. Yep. Another thing that, like, I really loved from the first movie that was not present at all was, was like, the really old, decrepit people that were still alive. Yes! Grandpa! <laughs> like, Grandpa, oh my gosh. and then, like, their grandma or whatever that was like just like a dead body with a chainsaw <laughs> you know yes. I, she wasn't there either it, they were all alive <sighs> and just weird and it the, was so great sure but like that's one of the greatest parts of the movie is that somehow they've still kept these people alive right <laughs> and the weird production design too like these lamps mm-hmm. made out of like human body parts and stuff yeah they like went from what I know, um, Toby Hooper and crew, like, went through and actually asked people for, like, old, like, body parts from, like, farm animals to use in, like, the mm. decor on set. And uh, you don't get that in this movie. You get garbage. You mm-hmm. get garbage. <laughs> There's garbage everywhere. Yeah. There's, like, tin cans and sludge. <laughs> or, like, generic meat hooks and yeah stuff and it's like come on like it's that's not as interesting to look at at all Mm -mm. and another thing so like they kind of do some of the same stuff from the original movie that they do in this one you know of course like there's like the five kids that are in the van and like they're um going to they're like driving through or whatever but there's also like several scenes that were like trying to be shot for shot remakes of the the scenes and one of them was uh the scene where the one guy walks into the house and um Leatherface grabs him and like hits him over the head with a hammer and like drags him into like the back room um and you know there's like the the that big wall that's like covered in like skulls and it's like bright red and crazy looking and the metal door that just slams and it's really loud there's not really any of that in this one when they try to do it. It's like, you know, Leatherface hits him in the head with the hammer and then drags him back, but, like, there's not that same force of, like, the the door slamming. There's no, like, decoration that shows you, like, this is some kind of bizarro world. It, it just felt really soulless. Yeah. And I was watching that, I was like, man... Where is it? Where's where's the spark? Where's the spark, guys? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, well, they they added a bunch of stuff like family members they had. The guy with his legs blown off. Yeah. Um, who... and the mom this time. Leatherface well, has a mom cuz the last and the other one the family's like all dudes. Mhm. But in this one there's ladies, too. Mm-hmm. There's, a uh, Well, Arlie Ermey's character, he's the sheriff. He does some really cool stuff. He gets to do some cool stuff in that movie. Um, there's, like, one scene where, like, he's, like, arresting them because, like, he found pot on the side of the road and he knows it's from them because no one else comes around there. 
and uh, so like he makes them sit in the dirt or whatever, and uh, he he grabs one of the guys and like throws him in the back of the cop car and like tells him to try to like reenact the girl shooting herself in the face, and like the guy starts freaking out because he's like you're trying to make me kill myself and all this other stuff, and then he points the gun at Arlie Ermy and like. This is probably one of the best performances of the film because they're both going crazy. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely insane. Like, Arlie Ermey's, like, yelling at him to, like, shoot Arlie Ermey in the face. And, like, this guy, he's, like, screaming, like, you know, you're trying to make me kill myself. What the fuck is wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. And, like, <laughs> these girls get up <laughs> from the dirt because they're, like, still sitting in the dirt. But, like, they, they get up and they're like, what the fuck is going on? And Arlie Ermey turns around and he goes... Uh, if he shoots me, you two are accomplices, and the, the guy, like, you know, he hesitates for a second, then he pulls the trigger, but, like, there's no bullets in the gun, and so, Arlie Ermey, he tells him, like, oh, so you're gonna be a killer now, huh? And so, like, he arrests him and takes him back to the house, actually. Yeah. And then you find him later, and he's, like, been bludgeoned really badly, and, uh, they threw him in a tub of ice, I think, which is kind of similar to, like, one of the deaths from, uh, the original where they throw her in, like, they throw one of the girls in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty good scene. I thought it was, like, reasonably well-directed and had, like, some good tension. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, you kind of know he's gonna end up being screwed over no matter what, but, but it's still, like, got a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I did like about this was that, Arlie Ermey did really good with the part that he was given, even though the rest of the movie was hot garbage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I've always really liked Arlie Ermey as, like, a like an actor. He's known for being, like, that drill sergeant type character, because that's what he, the only, like, parts that he got for ever and ever after a certain point. Um, I think after he was in Full Metal Jacket, everyone was just like, yeah, let's just have you play a parody of your character from Full Metal Jacket for the rest of your <laughs> life. And he died, like, a year or so ago, and, uh, it was sad, but, um, he, he's always been one of those people that, like, I've really enjoyed watching, no matter what he's in, you know, and this, this is not an exception, because, like, he's still, he's still enjoyable to watch in this, even, even though the rest of what's going on is just, bleh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I thought he gave a really good performance. He's really, I don't know, he was really good at being sinister and kind of crazy and it was like a nice nice mix mm-hmm. um what else can we say about this movie uh that's about all i have to say about it it's just really bad and really generic and yeah. don't watch it go watch the original <laughs> if you haven't already please even if you, like, are squeamish about gore and stuff, the original Texas Chainsaw is actually not that gory. Uh, this one, like, puts so much more yeah emphasis on the gore. Like, there's parts where, like, they make people sit down in the brain matter from, like, the girl who shot herself in the face. And then you see this, you know, oh. there's a scene where this girl is running away from Leatherface and so she runs into a meat locker and has to hide between, like, like a bunch of cow ribs is gross yeah it's not even like good gore either because because you know i've I've made no secret of the fact that i really enjoy gory movies but like mm-hmm. 
that being said, like, I, you know, you can still recognize when it's done well and when it's not. Like, Apostle that we watched last time has some yeah. really gory scenes, but they're really effectively done. And, like, the sound effects and the way they're directed adds to the tension. And, like, you can truly feel it. And, mm-hmm. like, that's what I enjoy is, like, the tangibility of it. Um, probably because of my interest in special effects. And, you know, in this film, it's like, yeah, you never really got that feeling. It's just kind of thrown in there for... For shock value yeah this this definitely felt like a movie that was made specifically because like people watch the original and they're like this isn't as shocking as it should be and they yeah. totally missed the mark on what that movie was supposed to be in the long run yeah yeah so yeah if you get a chance please go watch the original it's it's one of the best horror movies out there in my opinion and yeah. um and actually the sequel as well, which is yeah, very Texas tonally different. It's yeah. very tonally different. It's it's made it's the, in it was made in like the mid to late eighties. Yeah, it's the, the same director, made, but it was yeah. made like a decade later. Yeah. And it's like, just a it, straight up comedy. It, it's so tonally different because like I feel like after ten years they looked at like the original and they were like, you know what? Let's just make fun of ourselves. I wanna make fun of myself in the way I made this movie and he succeeded at it toby hooper did a great job and like it is so 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 tonally different but like for good reason because like this is it's so much more schlocky and mm-hmm. and it it's so funny they have oingo boingo playing in one of the very first yes. like, sequences in the movie where like these two rich dudes who are going up to like uh, they're going down to Dallas for, like, some football game or something, and, uh, they're, like, just screaming into, like, their, their car phone at Stretch through, like, the radio, and that song is playing, <laughs> and then, uh, Leatherface and Chop Top are just, like, driving down the highway right next to them, trying to murder them through the car. <laughs> so, yeah. it's so stupid, but so good, because, like, there's that, that, just ridiculous element to it through the whole thing like the over the topness is just so palpable you can palp it it's <laughs> you can palp it. <laughs> but it's that's the quote of the week today <laughs> i can i confess to you something i i stole that from some uh comedy uh music soundtrack that i was listening to <laughs> That's okay. You know what they say, good artists copy, great artists steal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I know for sure that the second one is on Hulu. Texas Chainsaw 2 is. Yeah, um, it So is. if you have access to Hulu, you can watch that. I don't know where to find the first one. It's actually like kind of hard to find, but I'm sure you could... It might be streaming somewhere. I think the first one you can rent off of Amazon. Okay. I'm not sure if it's uh, on Prime, but I know you can watch it for like maybe two ninety nine. Yeah, and I would say, like, it's definitely worth paying for a rental. Oh, yeah, it is. It really is. Because it's, it's just really good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, watch those instead of the remake. It's it's not worth your time. It's just... I mean, there are definitely better bad. Arlie Ermey movies out there. Yeah. Also, better Jessica Biel movies. She's in this. She plays Aaron. Also, okay, wait. No, we're totally missing something. And it's that one of the plot points is that they find out that the girl that was on the highway had a baby. Oh, and yeah. Like and it's like... Stole the baby. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of implied that, like, it's Leatherface's baby, which I yeah, don't that he like. Went... Yeah. That's, like... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, like, really? Did we have to go that route? Really? Yeah, for real. It's so dumb. I hate it. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways watch a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that that about wraps it up i think for this this week Mm -hmm. we'll be back soon with more of something don't know what yet but it'll be something better than this i'm sure Uh uh-huh um kyla's going to taiwan for a couple weeks so yeah um, so when this episode comes out i will be in taiwan Uh uh-huh um so we will have these episodes out but we won't be recording anything during that time yeah. Um, so, so we might have like a couple of days where we don't have anything, but rest assured we're gonna be trying to get stuff out as soon as we can. But tell Kyla to have fun on her trip. Also, have fun on your trip, Kyla. Oh, thank you. But yeah, in the meantime, while I'm gone, please still continue to tweet at us and let us know some movies on Netflix that you think we should watch. Yeah, we're always open to yeah. suggestions. Thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Netflix underscore in underscore kill. And you can find our host network, Lunar Light Studio, at Lunar Light HQ or their website, LunarLightStudio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out some of the other Lunar Light shows. They're all really good, and we love them very much. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kai the Jedi. That's K-Y the Jedi. Um, you can find me at Frosty the R0Bot. Um, you can also find my tweet campaign to get Michael Sheen on our show there. Yes, please join our campaign. You know, it's probably not gonna work, but, like, it's worth a shot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep trying. Yep. But, yeah, that's where you can find us. Um, you can, you can tweet us anytime, anywhere, because that's what the app is for. <laughs> <laughs> Why is work? This is this is not sponsored by Twitter. That's just where you can find us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're just lurking there. If not on Discord, then probably on Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, until next time, don't mess with Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, may your nightmares be plentiful, I, I guess. Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.